Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Hey, all the dads, stand up. All of you dads, stand up. Let's go. On your feet. Give them a hand. Man, it's so good to see you. You can have a seat. I hope you have a great day and the Lord blesses you today. How many of you dads are adoptive dads or fostering dads? I want to see, I want to see you stand up because you're, you're doing something that makes an incredible difference. Thank you. In the balcony. Yes. Man, thank you guys so much. Beautiful example of our Heavenly Father. Now, for some of you, this is the first um, time without your dad meaning your dad passed recently and maybe this is the first Father's Day. And really, it might not be the first, but your dad's gone. I, I woke up this morning and, and um, always, I walk around on Sunday mornings and pray with Rachel. Uh, and when I leaned over her to pray with her, my wife, if you not, don't know who Rachel is, I want to make sure you know it was my wife. Um, and as I was praying for her, uh, I started praying, thank you, Lord, for... Uh, our dads. Lost mine in 2009. She lost hers uh, about that same time in, a little later in the year. And I, I, you know, you never get over that. You miss them, and especially on a Father's Day. So, hey, I, I, I feel your pain. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're here to celebrate. Now, some of you didn't have a good experience with a dad. Let's be honest. This is not all you know, roses and just wonderful thoughts. It's, it's tough because unfortunately some grew up with dads that were rough, demeaning. You never heard them say, well done, great job. You can never get it right. You can never do enough. You're going to learn a little story about that this morning. I know when, when I was, uh, when we were raising our family, uh, my dad was always an outdoorsman. And when I was about, I don't know, nine, ten years old, he gave me a, a, a gun that I still have to this day. Made by Winchester, that's all I'm going to say. Made by Winchester. It's a hunting gun, it's a long rifle, and, and um, I just, I don't know, I cherish it because he gave it to me. We did some hunting together and target practice together. Twenty-five years after he gave me that gun, I was married, had kids. I get a letter from Winchester, Okay. And the Winchester Corporation <laughs> said, uh, David, we understand that you own one of our products. And they named the model number, and it was exactly that model number. And they said, we regret to inform you, but that gun has been recalled. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've had this gun a long time. Maybe it's just a screw that comes loose or a sight that doesn't stay accurate. No, no, no. There's a firing pin problem with that gun, and that gun has been known to go off randomly. Now, I've had the gun 25 years. Winchester, <laughs> help me here. Man, there are times a recall is very important, right? As a dad, I wish I could have some recalls. 
As I look back over my journey, I made some mistakes. Uh, if I could do it again, I'd get it right the second time. By the way, I heard about a, uh, one of the car manufacturers is coming out with a new model. They're calling it the Amnesia. And it's the only one they can't recall. So I just thought I would throw my one dad joke in the mix on Father's Day. There you go. If there was ever a father that wanted, that could have used a recall, we're going to look at his life. His name was King David. And I'm going to ask you to listen to the story. I don't want you, I mean, it's in the Bible. I'll give you the text. It's in 2 Samuel. It goes from about chapter 13 through chapter 18. There's a whole lot of stuff there. But I want to tell you this in a story form. Because I want you to know how I would summarize the story of David and Absalom. Absalom was one of his kids. By the way, how many sons did David have? Anybody know? I see some going two, three. How about 19? 19. You know how many total children? Most scholars believe David had 27. So let's just say David uh, was well acquainted with the women in his life. That's all I want to say. So he was not a perfect example. And that's why I love him. Because on this one, he didn't get this one right either. He had a son named Absalom. And if I could describe the story of Absalom in one sentence, I would say this. Too much king, not enough dad. Too much king, not enough dad. So his story starts, obviously, with David having kids. Uh, obviously, they were a bunch of them. One of them was with Bathsheba. We know that story because that's when he saw the woman on the rooftop and he lusted after her and he wanted to go to bed with her. And so he arranged it. And sure enough, he did. That child that she conceived that night didn't live. But she became part of one of his wives. For some reason, I believe that is a part of it. David's household had strife from then on. In fact, it may be one of the reasons God wouldn't let David build the temple. He wanted David's son Solomon to build it. But David's household had strife. He had a daughter named Tamar. Evidently, David was a very nice looking guy. I mean, most Davids are, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Evidently, he was a very nice looking guy because his children were really nice looking. There was a daughter named Tamar that was absolutely beautiful. And she had a half-brother, one of David's sons, named Ammon. And Ammon just lusted after her. Man, she drove him crazy. And he thought, I'm going to find a way to get in and have sex with her. I mean, that was his goal. I'm going to rape my sister. And he did. So look at this text about that moment. And her brother, Absalom, said to her, has Amon, your brother, been with you? So Absalom is another brother, half-brother, but he loved his sister, Tamar. Has, has Amon been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this to heart. In other words, don't let this destroy you. So Tamar lived a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. He took her in, and she lived with him. And when King David heard all these things, he was very angry. Well, good for you, David. <laughs> that ought to make you upset. 
But guys, it's not enough to get upset. What do you do about it? What, what's the next step? Getting angry doesn't really accomplish a lot. And so David got upset, and, um, but Absalom spoke to Amon, neither good nor bad, didn't want to talk to him, for Absalom hated Amon because he had violated his sister Tamar. So there we go. Now in the household of David, there is a, brother, a son named Absalom. He's going to kill his brother. And sure enough, he does it. He sets it up, everything works perfectly, devises a scheme, and he's able to kill his brother. Now, when he killed his brother, the only thing Absalom could do was run. And the Bible says he fled. And Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. Where's David? Why didn't he go to his dad and say, Dad, I'm messed up, man. I, I, this is going on and I couldn't stand it and you didn't do anything. David wasn't there. Watch this. So David, after a little bit of trickery, not really trickery, but they were trying to convince David, bring him back. Bring Absalom. He's your son. Bring him back to Jerusalem. Okay. So he does. So Joab, who he is the captain of David's army, the king's army, arose to and went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. Good. We're going to reconcile. And the king said, let him dwell apart in his own house. He is not to come into my presence. You're kidding me. When he needed a dad, David says, I don't want him in my presence. So Absalom lived apart in his own house and did not come into the king's presence. So Absalom lived two full years in Jerusalem without coming into the king's presence you got to be kidding me. He's just murdered his brother. And he's crying out for help. you got a girl that's devastated, Tamar. And, and you're not going to talk to him. And you're not going to let him in your presence. You know, Absalom must have been a very nice looking guy. In fact, the Bible, Bible doesn't always describe the looks of people, especially in a positive way necessarily. But they do. It does on Absalom. It says from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was not a single blemish. And then it goes on to say he would cut his hair one time a year. This is the part that makes me envious. He would cut his hair one time a year. And when he cut his hair, the weight of the hair, you want to guess? Five pounds. Five pounds of hair. I got like five ounces if I let mine grow for five pounds. I mean, so this kid must have been a very handsome young man. And yet David is, he won't talk to him. So you know what Absalom does? He starts to lead a rebellion against his dad. He begins to gather people. Look at this text again out of that same narrative. And a messenger came to David and said, the hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Meaning, David, you're losing your kingdom. The men are following Absalom. I mean, he had a, devised a scheme where he'd stand at the gate. Absalom would talk to everybody like a campaign. And everybody began to follow Absalom. And then watch this. David ordered an army to go get him. So now it's a civil war in David's house. But look what David said. And the king ordered Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. 
deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people when they heard when the king gave these orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So in other words, even in David's state, he loved that kid. And he wanted the army to deal gently with him. In other words, don't, don't hurt him. Well, move on to the next part. They are in battle. Absalom is riding along. And this happens. And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom was riding on his mule. And the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak. And his head caught fast in the oak. And he was suspended between heaven and earth while the mule that was under him went on. So here's Absalom with all that beautiful hair. He's hung up in the oak. My dad used to give me this as a reason I shouldn't have long hair. I said, Dad, that has nothing to do with it. I'm not going to be on a mule fighting you. So I don't think I have to worry about getting hung up in a tree. But Absalom, here he is. He's, he's hanging in a tree. Now watch what David's army does. The king says, is it well with the young man? Now that question was asked to his army. Why would David ask that question? Because the army, when they found him, there was a young man who looked at him hanging there and said, I will not touch the king's son. He heard what the king said, be gentle with him. But Joab, the commander, said, well, wait a minute. We got a king. He's going to fight our king and kill our king. We're going to kill him. Joab killed him. So now when the message gets back to David, the first thing he asks, how's my boy doing? How's he doing? And this guy answers, well, when Joab sent the king's servant, your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I don't know. I didn't know what it was. I, I think he's lying just a little bit. He just didn't want to tell the king, your son's dead. The king said to the Cushite, whoever it was, is it well with the young man Absalom? And the Cushite answered, may the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. In other words, we got him. He's dead. Now, even from that text, you know David's heart is for his son. But here's the question. Did his son know that? Did he ever tell his son that? When the word comes to David, we got him. Watch what David does. And the king was deeply moved and he went up to the chamber over the gate and he wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I had died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Those are, that's some of the hardest words to read. Because as a father, I just, I can't, I can't imagine saying that. So there was no question about David's love for him. It's just, did he ever tell him? And so as I said in the beginning, too much king, not enough dad. So dads, I got a question for you. Take that phrase, too much king, not enough dad. How would you fill in that blank? 
How's your parenting? How's your being a father going? Is it too much business? Not enough dad? Would your kids say too much career? Not enough dad? Too much hobby? Not enough dad? Too much ego? Dad, look at it. How would you fill it in? Now, I know that if you were to stand up and give a testimony, oh, man, I love my kids. My kids mean the world to me. Well, let's ask your kids if they know that. You know what I would fill in there? As a young pastor, as a young parent, Rachel and I had two boys. We moved back to Arkansas, and then our third was born, Hannah. And I'll never forget this moment. It just hit me. I would fill in too much church, not enough dad. Now, for me, church was my job. So it'd be like you saying too much job, too much work, too much of my, you know, career. I, there was a whole lot of church. And I was missing things. And my wife, incredible heart for our home. And I know that's why God brought us together. Because she would remind me, hey, the kids need it. I used to, I used to run every day when I'd get home from work. And I'd get home late, so I'd go run. And, and, and I was, back in then, I could run, <laughs> long run. And she looked at me, she said, hey, when you get home, the kids want to see you. You've been gone all day. Any chance you could run early in the morning? I said, early? I got to get up early and go run? Oh, my goodness. That's when I became a morning runner because she was right. And I remember one day standing in the hallway of the church I was pastoring, and there was a long hall, and they had pictures of all the pastors. I was the last one. The picture was my, mine, the last one. And I realized this church was 120 years old. They'd had a bunch of pastors. And I'm just standing there looking at all these pastors, and all of a sudden, I just had this thought, wow, this church is a bunch of great pastors. And they're going to have a bunch more. My kids have one dad. And I'm the only one that can be that. This church, they can call a pastor in two weeks. But my kids have one dad. And I just remember standing there saying, God, help me to be that dad. And help me to make sure it's not too much church and not enough dad. And I started saying no to committing me. I started saying no to things. Why? Because my kids had a ball game. I started saying no because my kids needed something or we had a plan or we had a family time. I just want you to face the fact, Dad, that it's real easy for all of us to be a king and not a dad. And so, David, if I could sum up just a couple of simple lessons. It, number one, when Absalom needed a dad, he got a king. When he needed to talk to David, David wasn't there. He couldn't even see him. When, when there needed to be some encouragement, when there needed to be some kind of support, <clears throat> there was none. And dads, I know maybe you're thrilled at how many likes you got on that post, but how about your kids getting your attention and letting them like what you're doing? How about being more concerned about their likes rather than all the likes in the world? What about followers? 
I mean, I've been in the presence of dads. Oh, I got this many, especially pastors. I got this many followers. I got this many followers. Hey, guys, I got three followers, and I'm going to be the best dad I can be for those three followers. So the point is, all the things of this world, everything around us competes with us. It competes for our kids. And let me take you back to that blank just a minute that we filled in. I know the game I played, too much church, not enough dad. I blamed it on God. Oh, but God, this is the calling. I mean, God just told me I need to be there. I mean, I'm doing this because of God. And I'm telling you, God said, no, you're not. You're doing it because of you. Guys, don't ever blame God for the lack of being a dad. Because I'm telling you, if you could talk to him and hear him right now, he would tell you, be a father like he is a father. And be there for your family. But I was, uh, I was listening to those voices out there. And I was even <laughs> blaming my, my lack on him. When David needed to be that dad for Absalom, he wasn't. And by the way, when Absalom needed a father, what did he get? He got an army, the king's army. Now, there's no doubt David loved Absalom. It's just that he never heard it. And do you know this devastation that that brings? Well, you see the end of the story. Absalom's gone. It didn't have to be that way. And some of you guys have lived without the support of your dad, without the love of your father, without hearing him say, I'm proud of you. I mean, I've talked to guys, countless guys who said, I never heard my dad say, I love you. Never heard my dad say, I'm proud of you. I mean, you work your tail off. You do everything you can and just waiting. They're going to they're gonna really like this and they find something. I want you to meet somebody that when he sat with me and told me a story, I was I was blown away, and I, and I was so moved by him. First time I met him, he was with Michelle Williams. In fact, I introduced him. They were together one Sunday here. And the more I, I sat with him and the more I talked with him, I, just something about him. And so he came back, and we had a time, just the two of us together. I think you're going to really appreciate his story. I want you to welcome to the platform Chad Johnson. Chad, come on up, man. So, Chad, great to see you, man. Glad you're you here. This brother <laughs> flew around in circles last night, literally, for three hours on a short one-hour trip from Atlanta. They got here and they couldn't land the plane because of all the storms we had last night. So they had to fly around for three hours and then go to Jacksonville to get more fuel. <laughs> he got in bed at 3.30. Can you thank him for being here? <laughs> I mean, he's tired. It was actually, it was actually 3.33, so it was oh, kind 3.30, of there you go. <laughs> hey, man, great to have you. Good to see y'all. So, Chad, your story started off in Colorado. You were an athlete. Yeah. And your dad was a big coach and a big, man, he wanted you to get in sports and all that stuff. Some of us know that journey. Yeah. And then something happened. As you were an athlete, you got introduced or invited to go to an FCA camp. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I grew up in small town Colorado, uh, up in the mountains, Dolores, Colorado, a town of 2,000 people. Um, grew up in a great family. Uh, we were, it was probably as perfect as you can imagine without Jesus. We just didn't go to church. We, uh, my grandfather would get us, get me and my brother, and we'd go fishing on Sundays. So Grandpa Jim would take us fishing on Sundays. But when I was 13, my parents got a divorce. Mm. And when trauma hit and when life hit our family, we just yeah. had nowhere to turn. And so, as you can imagine, you know, um, the, my family fell apart. Mm. And I found myself as a teenager, broken, trying to bear the burdens of my family. 
Um, buried myself in sports. Sports was kind of like an arc for me. It carried me over a lot of the, the issues of a teenage life, kept me focused. But God had plans for me. I had never been in church. I'd never seen, never opened a Bible, never heard the gospel in my entire life. And when I was 17 years old, I got invited to go to a football and basketball fellowship of Christian athletes sports camp. I was there to go play ball. I was, go, I was there to, you know, whoop people on the basketball court <laughs> and break some ankles. But at the end of the day, Jesus had other plans. And I, I got handed a Bible and I got handed a Bible by people that I would looked up to and really looked at in my life. And I heard the gospel preached for the first time, wow. gave my life to Jesus that Amen. night. Amen. It's never been. Fellowship of Christian Athletes, <laughs> man. It's a yeah. great ministry. We got Amazing. a lot of guys that are yeah. connected, a lot of young ladies Amazing. that are part of FCA as well. So, yeah. so you became a Christian. <clears throat> yep. Now, what then happened? What were the steps that God used to, to bring you into ministry? Yeah, so I, it was so interesting, Pastor David, because I, I was so unchurched that I didn't even know you were supposed to go to church. <laughs> I got a Bible, an FCA Bible, and it, and it had little, a little like where to find help when. And yep. it had little, you know, things that were related to athletes. And I would just look every single night in my Bible about what I was going through as an athlete or as a young teenager that, that moment. And the Holy Spirit discipled me through the scriptures for three years, wow. just me and him. I was taught relationship with God through his son, Jesus, relationship, Amen. relationship. Amen. And so I built that relationship. You know, God formed, uh, he and I formed a, a really amazing connection. And then I uh, ended up going to Arizona Christian University, playing basketball there, got a study yeah. ministry and, and got the opportunity to play ball and dove into the inner city. I was working in the schools, the high schools uh, in the inner city as an FCA representative. And then I came on staff at a church in the inner city as a youth and children's pastor. Well, while doing that uh, and serving in the schools as an FCA um, minister, Dennis Green got the job for the Arizona Cardinals uh, head coach. And this is back in the early 2000s. And through a God story, my name got dropped in his ear as a, as a young man who loved Jesus and could minister to athletes. The next day he's calling me on the phone. I think I'm being punked because I'm like, Dennis Green's not calling my phone. <laughs> I'm sitting in a little youth pastor's office. And he asked me to come in, uh, be the pastor of the team, the team chaplain. Mm. And so that began a journey of almost 20 years working in professional sports as wow. a team chaplain. I uh, worked with the Arizona Cardinals. I worked with the, the Giants. For, I worked with the Arizona Cardinals for 10 years, the New York Giants for a year. Then I went and reported with Coach Tomlin as a Steelers chaplain for six years and then started kind of just freelancing around the league. Wow. And meanwhile, I had another leg in uh, Major League Baseball as a spring training chaplain for the Los Angeles Dodgers for 12 years. Mm. And all, the, all, the, all that time, I also had another foot in youth ministry and inner city missions wow. and things of that nature. So my wow. life, I would, I'd be in Haiti doing a mission trip one day and in the locker room or in the clubhouse with the Dodgers, you know, in, in a 24-hour span of time. And so it was just <laughs> Some of you sports amazing. fans, I mean, I know you're sitting there going, oh, I wonder if my favorite player, was he a believer? You know, did he follow Christ? Some yeah. of the guys that you worked with were strong followers. Who oh, were yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean... I can remember one of my favorite years of all the years in the NFL, it was marked by a spiritual journey. It was so amazing. 2006, I was serving the Arizona Cardinals, and a couple years later, we went to the Super Bowl and ironically played the Steelers with that same team. But God did a huge work spiritually on that team. Kurt Warner was on the team. He was a spiritual leader. And Anquan Bolden, Florida, Florida State mm -hmm. guy. Uh, one of the most committed, faithful believers I've ever been a part of in my life. Um, 
you know, just a huge nucleus of guys. And Pastor David, I baptized. I had the opportunity to baptize 16 of those players in one season. That's awesome. Man. I mean, God moved in That's that locker so room. Cool. So, yeah, it was that amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. And for the baseball fans. And for the baseball Clayton fans. Clayton Kershaw, right? Yeah, Clayton Kershaw is an amazing man of God. I mean, a, uh, a guy who played for the Florida Marlins, Juan Pierre is as a hero of the faith in the sports world for me. That's and so cool. Yeah, just so guys cool. that I've been able to walk with through the years and, yeah. and see them love God and, and use their platform for yep. his glory. So at the same time, you've also served some great churches, one of them in Dallas, uh, in Oak Ridge, that <clears throat> one, I mean, Oak Cliff, one of my favorite guys is Tony Evans. <laughs> yeah. And you served with Tony Evans for yeah, a little while, I got, right? I got a chance to serve with the, what I call the Michael Jordan of, of preaching. Yes. I say, you know what, I'll let you be Larry no, Bird, dude. though. Yeah, I'm Bird. I'll take Bird. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take Bird. <laughs> You'll be Larry Bird. I'm Michael Larry Jordan. Bird. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I served with him for a season, and that was an I mean, awesome experience. When I heard all that, I'm like, man, his dad must have been so proud. I mean, this guy, he comes from not even going to church, and all of a sudden now he's leading people to Christ and having great impact on athletes and all people. What did your dad say about it all? Yeah, Pastor David, it's interesting. I, you know, I had served in Super Bowls. I had been to World Series, been in the locker rooms, and uh, traveled up to see my father. My parents were divorced. Traveled up to see my father in for Father's Day, ironically, in 2012. Wow. I drove up from Phoenix mm. to go surprise him for Father's Day. And he was sitting in the nursing home. My dad went through a lot of uh, complications with his, his health. And he was a diabetic and he had amputations. And he was sitting in the nursing home. Um, and the last time I saw him, he died the day after Thanksgiving 2012. But on Father's Day 2012, he looked at me and told me that my life had amounted to nothing. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Make sure you... Your life had amounted to nothing. Yeah, he said, you know, you don't have a family. All you do is run around and take care of everybody else's problems. And it's just like, mm. your life's amounted to nothing. What'd that do to you? Well, I tried to be strong in front of him. Because um, it was really, my, I felt so much as a young man's, uh, it, it, so much in us is like, I just want my dad to be proud. Mm. Like that was just a driving force of my life. And I prayed for my dad from the day I was saved you know, for 17 years. And I looked at him and he had rejected the gospel so many times and uh, he was wounded in his heart. And I just ran around the corner of the, of the nursing home and I curled up in, in a private corner and I just cried. Mm. I just cried. And, you know, there's a story though, a backstory with my father. My dad, when he was 17, his father committed suicide. My dad never dealt with that trauma. And he was a man who carried that pain through his life, his entire life. And, it, and then when it was time for him to show up emotionally or when him, for him to show up in the face of, you know, tight situations or tough life moments, um, he would just go in the cave. And I saw that and I, you know, tried to bear that as a burden as a kid. And so when Jesus came into my life, I prayed for my father every single night. And uh, I felt like, man, that Father's Day rejected, you know, my whole mm. life, I, my dad would say, I would hear from his friends, he was so proud of me. You know, I'd hear, oh, wow. you know, your dad's so proud of you, they'd be able to read off my stat sheets and all kinds of stuff because my dad was just sharing with the, the crowd how proud mm. he, of, but he, of me he was. But he didn't tell you. But I never heard it. I know there's more to the story because I know Chad's story. Tell us how mm. it ended. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's amazing because 
like I said, my father was uh, wounded, and I, I, I was able to notice that. And when, when Jesus brought peace into my heart through the gospel and a relationship with him, I really realized what a heavenly father is. And um, my relationship with Christ allowed me the opportunity to pray for my father. I mean, I'd get rejected so many times when I'd share the gospel. And then ultimately that, that mm. 2012 Father's Day, I just felt like the rejection was so much. But the story goes, year, as, as months go on, I continue to share the gospel with him. And I had the opportunity to lead my dad to Jesus Amen. before he died. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, like only God can. Yes. Like only God yes. can. Yes. And you know, the sad thing about this story is, is it didn't have to go that way. I mean, his dad could have enjoyed this guy. When I met him and I heard this story, I'm like, dude, how, you've been everywhere. You've sat in front of some of the greats in terms of sporting world, but even some of, some of the people that are making a difference for the kingdom, Tony Evans and others. And yet your dad never saw success in you because you didn't have a house. You didn't have family. You didn't have the stuff. And I think how many of us, too much king, not enough dad. David loved Absalom, but he never told him. He was proud, but I mean, I think it was just like your story. He was proud of him. He just, he never communicated it to Absalom. That war could have been averted. It didn't have to end that way. And guys, no matter what story or journey you're on, it doesn't have to end the way you're going if it's not the right way. That's why we're here. That's why grace abounds. So I think there's three kinds of dads. We're all in one of the three, okay? Number one, you're a dad here and your family's doing well. It's, it's been great so far. But here's the question. I know you love your kids. Do they know it? When's the last time you told them you're proud of them, you love them? Here's the second group. You're a dad and you've got an Absalom. And you got a kid that's in rebellion. You got a kid that doesn't want to go to church. You got a kid that's walked away, and he and his wife or her husband, I mean, whichever, and they're not following the way you raised them. And there's a part of you, like King David, I, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to deal with him. What are you going to do? Is that how your Heavenly Father dealt with you? I can tell you, it isn't. Your Father never gave up on you. And he was there for you no matter what you did. How about doing that for them? And then the third group, you are the Absalom. Let's be honest, some of us in the room, I sat in a Father's Day many times, I was the Absalom. I'd lost respect, I declared war against my dad. And if you're in that, in that place today, I know you wanna justify, well my dad did this, or he didn't do that, or whatever. Did you hear what Chad said for 17 years? He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And even after hearing you're a disappointment, you're a failure, he was still there for him. Guys, I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for a dad that never gave up on an Absalom like me. He didn't quit. Don't quit. You know God can change. And if you are that Absalom, Maybe God brought you here today for this. Maybe you need to go to your father and say, hey, I, 
man, I just, I just want you to know I'm proud of you and I love you. You know, dads like to hear that too. And who knows but what God wants to bring you together. You're one of the three. And Chad made it really clear. The first step is always I'm trusting Jesus. Because as long as you're on the throne of your life, it's not going to go well. Am I right, Chad? It's not going to go well. But the moment Jesus walks in and says, I got this, man, life changes. We want you to take that first step. And by the way, Dad, you can't lead your kids where you hadn't been. If you don't know Jesus, you're never going to be able to introduce your kids to Jesus. And it's the greatest gift you could give them is to know Christ. So I want us to bow together for just a moment. Every dad in the room, just as you're sitting there with your head bowed, you know which one of those three you are. You, you know where you are in the story. So would you just talk to him right now? And if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to call on him today. I want Father's Day 2023 to be one of the greatest days ever. For Chad, it was one of the most hurtful days in 2012. But we're going to make this Father's Day one to remember forever. I want you to tell him, Jesus, I love you. I don't know a lot about you, but I believe you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. And Jesus, I believe you came to this earth to die for my sin. And I want to follow you. So Jesus, today, come in my life. Take control, and I'll follow you the rest of my days. And dads, I believe if you prayed that or anything like it, he heard it, he did it, and now you're going to see a change. It may take time, but you're going to see a change. Maybe if you're one of those dads that you've already done that, but it's just time to be restored to your family. Maybe time to realize you can't fill in the blank too much, anything. It's got to be you were enough dad. And maybe your prayer is just, God, help me to be that dad. Lord, thank you for David. And God, kind of just thank you for putting this story in the Bible. Thank you for showing us a king that you honored and we honor. But he had a mess or two in his life. Because, Lord, it helps us to know how to deal with that same mess. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Thank you for truth. Thank you for Chad and a testimony. So, Lord, help us to walk according to the word and truth we heard today. In Jesus' name. Hey, look this way a moment. Dads, we want to we wanna be there to help you. Whether you prayed that prayer or you say, you know what, I, there's some things I really need to get better at. Hey, you can reach out to us by sending a text to connect. Just send the word connect to 40777. If you're in the room today, you can find back in the back in the center lobby, we have men's ministry represented. And, and guys, one of the reasons we have men, men's ministry is just to help us. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. He sharpened my life in the times that we've had together. We want to do the same for you. And we also have a way for you to talk with someone here today about a spiritual commitment you want to make to Christ, that first step. Hey, we're just here to serve you because we want this to be a memorable Father's Day. 
And Chad, I want to thank you for, I didn't know about Father's Day 2012. So I know it's got to be hard. But thank you for being here and sharing your story. And guys, thank you for being here. Have a wonderful Father's Day. God bless you. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.